Iowa everywhere. It's time for Miller and Williams on Iowa Everywhere. Presented by Prairie Meadows Racetrack and Casino. This is Iowa Everywhere. What's going on? Welcome to, man, I just totally botched it, Miller, but we're going to keep going. I was supposed to play our little intro. I hit the wrong button, and this is why we have producers in a world like we have. How are you, my friend? They'll fix it in post-production, and no one will ever know. I'm good. I'm good. (laughs) Welcome to Miller and Williams here on Iowa Everywhere. We are presented, as always, by our friends at Prairie Meadows Racetrack and Casino. We thank them for bringing you the podcast each and every week. Here on your Friday on Iowa Everywhere, um, we have we have a lot to get to. I I kind of want to keep this, John. We, I, I feel like we do some Iowa and Iowa State here, but I have some like Big Ten. Speci- I think Big Ten's really interesting this week. Going into this week, there's some games that really intrigue me that I wanted to bounce off of you. We'll do some Iowa and Iowa State stuff to start. First of all, how was your week, my friend? Have you recovered? I I tried not to talk any smack to you. After the game, I feel like we're beyond that in our relationship at this point. How are you doing? Because you you seemed quite somber on the reaction podcast last week. How are you doing, Hawkeye fan John Miller? I mean, I'm fine. Hawkeye fan John Miller has just done everything else in life this week to not think about any of it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a football game. I'm fine. Um, I don't have to go out and practice and put in all that work to you know have the pain of a loss the players feel far more pain than the fans ever will and it's not even close and don't try to debate me on that and really you know i i don't have season tickets so i didn't pay money for that level of offensive performance as much as anything chris it's just it's just carryover i had that i have since the the bowl game i said in my last uh hawkeye podcast football podcast now there's no more Hawkeye podcast. It's all here on Iowa everywhere that something, a part of my fandom felt broken by the offensive ineptitude of last season. And then I recognized I was sounding whiny um, and even privileged for complaining about a team that won 10 games last year. But I said, I was bored to tears. Little did I know there was another level of football hell to come. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I'm fine uh, other than the fact that you know, I guess I got to watch it again this week. But, um, you know, there's yeah. another part There's another part of that game or other than Iowa's offensive ineptitude. And that actually is the um, toughness, the, the, the mental toughness, the togetherness. Iowa State basically did everything they could do to lose that game, and many of those mm-hmm. wounds were self-inflicted. And when you get two punts blocked in a game, you probably, I mean, if you get two punts blocked in a game and you effectively have three other turnovers, you have five turnovers. Yeah, that was the best point I thought you made on in your Sunday podcast. I thought you nailed it. That's what it felt like as an Iowa State fan, at least. Yeah, I mean, it's, you, you lose that game 99.9999999999% of the time. Iowa State won. Uh, Iowa's offensive suck. Yes, it does. Uh, but it's not like this is the first time an Iowa-Iowa State game has been a dogfight. And they went out and played, I think, as you put it, Python football. Iowa State you know, did what it could do 
the drive they had, 99 and a half yards, 20 plus plays. The only other time I remember an Iowa opponent doing something like that in the last quarter century was Michigan State in the Big Ten championship game back in 2015. So Iowa State won the football game. Iowa State's mm-hmm. program, basically the, their, their mental toughness, their, their, their metal, their togetherness was on display, and they passed the test. They didn't give up. They didn't quit. They didn't pack it in. They didn't point fingers. And, hey, congrats to Iowa State. Uh, that was a great, great win for them. And Iowa this week goes back to the drawing board, the same drawing board, as Kirk Ferentz said this week in his press conference, it's going to be Spencer Petrus to start. And again, any Spencer Petrus commentary here is not a shot at the kid. We all see what he isn't, okay? But the coaches continue to put him out there. So don't get angry at Spencer about that. If that is not a decision that you like, be angry with Kirk Ferentz. What do you – I asked Hassel this on Thursday. What would it take to give you hope – for the rest of the season and, and to second that is it even possible against a team as bad as Nevada appears to be heading into Saturday I think it probably could be fool's gold but I would like to see Iowa's offense execute its bread and butter plays that they're going to be running for most of the year we all know what those are mm-hmm. execute them at a high clip if Iowa's offense uh stumbles and fails to put together four or five touchdown drives in this game beyond 40 to 50 yards, then I think pretty much I, – I wouldn't say ever all hope is lost. But to me, and I think I heard Ben Ben Bruns mention something similar to this in his post-game reaction, in that is that, okay, I'm a golfer. I love golf. And when you practice golf – and you work on improving your game, you don't do it out on the course after you've played 50 bucks and cart fee to go play. You do it at the driving range where you paid four bucks to get a bucket of balls and hit a hundred of them. That's where you improve your game on the driving range. You don't make yourself a better golfer by only going out and playing on the field. I'm concerned that Iowa's problems are driving range related. And the driving range comparison in college football is the spring, mm-hmm. is the out-of-season weight room, is the summer, and is next year's fall camp. There are so many problems plaguing this offense right now that I, I don't know that there is a fix for this year. I don't, I'm certain it's not just switching a quarterback. Padilla can do more things with his legs than, than Petrus can, but Padilla had a completion rate – of less than 50% last year in the games that he was in. This offensive line this year is struggling worse than last year's struggling offensive line struggled. That is a driving range issue. And Chris, I've said this literally hundreds of times in my broadcasting career. Iowa's offense invites more trouble than other offenses do. I formation fullback, bring more people into the box. Iowa doesn't have the skill position talent like an X on the outside to make you pay for coming in and loading the box. Iowa State finally did what I thought Iowa State should do in this series every year, and that is they got insane aggressive. They were bringing people into the box. They were blitzing from different sides. 
they just brought the heat. Since Iowa says, okay, we're going to run formations that allows you to do that. Mm -hmm. Iowa is inviting more congestion into the area of the defense that their bread and butter plays are designed to attack. How dumb is that? (laughs) How stupid is that? These are the areas that we want to attack. On the waggle bootleg, we want to attack the flat. We want to attack just outside the tackle box in some instances. We want to to run the, the zone blocking scheme. Everybody in the world knows that when Iowa calls an audible, they're audibling to the side of the defense where there are fewer hats. Everyone knows that. It's typically the boundary side because the boundary is an additional defender. It's it's so archaic. It's so boring. It's broken. And I don't believe this year it's going to be fixed at all. And regardless of what happens to Nevada, I likely will not be optimistic heading into Big Ten play. Good stuff. Uh, that's good analysis. I, I wanted to pick your brain on one more thing, and then we'll get into more of our college football conversation. You put out a tweet that I never thought I'd see from you. I don't remember which day it was, but you said you think maybe for the first time in your life you watched more NFL football last weekend than college football. <laughs> Has the Iowa offense done this to you? Yes. <laughs> or is this just like a shift in you in general? I think it's mostly the Iowa offense. If it wasn't boring, <laughs> if it wasn't like poke your eyes out boring. Yeah. Now, I will also say I got back into fantasy football in 2012. I had not played fantasy football since 2002 because that was the year that Grace was born. And as you know, our time on Saturdays were fairly well occupied away from our families when you're covering Iowa or Iowa State and doing all the media things that you and I both have done. So I didn't want to take up both weekend days away from my family. So I pretty much checked out on the NFL for two decades. Yeah. Got back in it in 2020. And um, fantasy football to me is uh, so much fun. I watched the Red Zone for the entire time it's on every Sunday. Watched the Sunday night game watch the Monday night game. And I think it's a, two things. One, I'm back into fantasy football without taking time away from my family. Two, Iowa's offense is is the most – Iowa's offense is as boring as listening to me on a podcast slowing the rate of my speed down to 50%. I can't imagine <laughs> how horrible that would be. Horrible. I Sometimes I go back and just air check just to see if – you know, just to see how we're sounding, see our chemistry, things like that. And – I listen to all my podcasts on 1.5 speed. Everyone, my family gets in the car and the podcast is going like, how do you understand that? Like I perfectly understand. Mm -hmm. When I listen to myself on 1.5 speed, I actually think I sound uh, energetic and uh, (laughs) lucid and just, you know, happy. I, I, it's like, that's, that's, that's the person I want to be. I want to be John on 1.5 speed, dude. This Iowa football team is playing like John on 0.5 or 0.25 speed. It's so it's horrible horrible how many how many wins right now you got to make it you got to make a pick i don't need to know which wins how many wins does iowa have at the end of the year five or six that's what i said today too when i recorded with hassle i said the same thing yeah just feels like it's going to be one of those years so they're going to be they're going to be two and one after this week um then they're at rutgers michigan at home let's just say at that point in time they're three and two at illinois I ain't sleeping on that. At Ohio State, hope they don't get beat by 50. Northwestern at home, at Purdue, Wisconsin at home, at Minnesota, Nebraska, five or six. I had Iowa State going into the year seven and five. I had them. That's eight and four now, probably. Yeah, I I would move that to eight and four now. Right, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting when you – and I know that this sounds uh, duh, but – 
when you look at the seasons that Iowa and Iowa State – you look at the seasons that Iowa has in years where they lose to Iowa State, other than like 2002, yeah, it's typically like a seven, six, or eight win season. And Iowa State, the years that they beat Iowa, it's 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 more than just one more win in the column. It seems to have a little bit of a harbinger aspect to it, relative to how the rest of the year is going to play out. Yeah, and it's it that's been the one thing that's held Campbell back. And he, you look, it, it's just so weird, like. Because I, I remember back when I first started doing this, and Iowa State would win those games and the whole Super Bowl and all that stuff, right? Um, but now, like, it, it really th- – there's nobody in the conference that has won as many games as Iowa State in the last five years than Oklahoma, mm-hmm. right? And now – but they've never during that time been undefeated going into Big 12 play. Right. Ever. Right. Right. So it's just a bit of a different feel, and it it certainly gives you momentum. Now, I am concerned when I watch the Big 12. I just don't think that they're – I like there's a best team. Like, I I really don't. I put Baylor number one in my preseason poll, um, but I'm not, like, in love with them. Like, I don't – I think Baylor is just going to run the table in the league. They lost to BYU last week. I don't really change my opinion on that. Um, It's tough for those – teams to go out west and BYU's pretty pretty darn good. But I look right. up and, and down and, this and, league, I think it's going to be a cannibal cannibalistic league all year. So I, I think, think 8 and right. 4 could potentially have you on the outside looking into the Big 12 Championship game 9 and 3, I think you might be there. Right. I think I think you're right. And, and let's be honest, Baylor going to Provo is about as big of a shock uh, as you're going to get right. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 a pretty big shock. So yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I don't think that there's a monster in the Big 12 this year. Um, Texas looked good at times against Alabama. The fact that they played Alabama for you know for, uh, a full a full game um, played them fairly evenly, and then they just lost. They you know they Texas they Texaseded it at the end, and uh, Alabama's you know quarterback made some great plays with his feet, which. Sure would like to have me one of those, you know, just, you know, guy that makes plays with his feet, keeps plays alive. So, he yeah, just, I think I think you're right. Um, is there any buzz down there about Kansas State? Because I think that they may be the most impressive team in the Big 12 thus far. Well, one, one of my business partners, there's three of us that owns the company, and one of them is a big K-State alum. So there's a lot of buzz from him. I just don't know if that's outmoded or outweighed. I don't listen to sports talk radio. Um, I just only listen to podcasts. So I don't know. I'm sure that there is. And Kansas State has been that bit of a departure in the Big 12, along with Iowa State, in my opinion, from the way ball is played in the rest of the league. And I think that that's why Iowa State has had the uh, success that they've had, in addition to being a very solid and ascending football program and a football program really built on toughness uh, and physicality. And it looks like that offensive line is maybe finally coming along looks a little like bit. It. Yeah. Looks like they could be, and that's really what's held Iowa State back from making that jump into a, a top 20 team perennially the last several years. Um you would be a departure, and the 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 Big Twelve has been a league that where you have some more wide open offenses, and I know that it's been fun through the years to throw stones at the Big Twelve's defense, but you know it's it's just a different league with a different feel, and um, Iowa State and Kansas State can play you in a rock fight and be successful. Not many teams in that league can do that, and Iowa State has shown they can play you in a track meet. 
and be successful. And Kansas State remains to be seen. So, yeah, I, I think one of Iowa State and Kansas State, it would not surprise me if one of those two teams was in the top two to end the year to play for the Big 12 championship. It, it's been fun for me to watch Adrian Martinez, too. I don't I don't hold back. I'm not a Nebraska fan by any means. I'm very interested in their program because of where I grew up. I just right. I read about them all the time. I still – it's just where I grew up, that's all you – that's the only media you got was yeah. Nebraska in the 90s. And I – my suspicion going into the year was that we would see a bump from Adrian Martinez leaving that offense and going to Kansas State. Reason being, you look at Chris Kleiman. More, more importantly, you look at his offensive coordinator, Colin Klein. Run first guy, a little bit of a Tim Tebow guy, right? That little Tim Tebow light that was mm-hmm. Colin Klein. Really good right. player. I thought that they would do that. And your dog's snoring again. Already. Yep, I was just, I was Kick just that dog, it. Miller. I'm just kidding. I, I, I just did. I just kicked it right in the teeth. No, I didn't. <laughs> no, I did. All um, I had to do was move and make a shadow, and she chases them like cats. I just think it's great. Anytime Miller's on the podcast, we hear a dog snoring in the background. It's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I feel like I might be validated a little bit. with just, I mean, Adrian Martinez isn't putting up great stats for Kansas State, but he's what they need, and they are what he needed. And, boy, it makes Scott Frost even look worse as we transition into this Nebraska conversation where when you look at how Kleiman and – Klein are using this guy, and you're winning. Now, albeit, they're two games in, right? And they get Tulane this week. They're a 14-point favorite. Um, but then they go to the Oklahoma next week, where I think – I mean, I'm terrified if I'm Oklahoma. I want no piece of that Kansas State team in that football game next week. But it, you look at how Frost was using Martinez compared to these guys, and it's – it, it couldn't look worse. I mean, they were out there. He's throwing 50 times a game. I always joked it was like playing 500 in the backyard. 400! Right? Like, he had no clue what they were doing with this guy. Um, and I, I think you're out um, as ne- for Nebraska with Iowa. The Big Ten West probably just got a little more difficult. I think you're probably right. One one thing I wanted to clarify first. You were tossing out four hundies. 400! In your, in your 500 game. I mean, that must have been like it's getting dark. We got to get this over because I <laughs> – I would toss out like tens because I oh, wanted to wow. be in control as long as I possibly could. So. Okay, but yeah, but yeah, I you're probably can Nebraska get worse than than they've been? Probably not. So the big question then is, what should Nebraska do? What way should they go? The the Matt Campbell talk. Matt Campbell's not going to Nebraska. I don't know Matt. The only, I mean. Obviously, I think you know him well, but I've never asked you any personal private conversations about anybody. I don't, I don't do that to you because we're, we're friends. I wouldn't do that to a friend. And I'm not going to do it now. I'm not going to do it in the future. This is strictly my opinion. He has all he needs right now in Ames and a move from Ames to, from Iowa State to Nebraska right now relative to his future. It would be a lateral move at best. Now, before Nebraska fans find this and just come and hammer me, I'm not saying that Nebraska's history is below Iowa State's. No. It's not. Nebraska has one of the most rich college football histories in the history of their sport of anyone. But you know what? When you bring up history the way Nebraska fans do, that means your present sucks. And your present has sucked for a while. And – 
right now, I wouldn't take that job. If I'm Matt Campbell, and if I have a desire to go somewhere someday, it ain't Nebraska. Mm-hmm. It's not Nebraska at all. Maybe to, to me, if I'm Matt Campbell and I take another college job, it's at like a, a Michigan or a Penn State or an Ohio State or a Texas maybe even. It, it's something that's easy to recruit to. And the, it, I, w- but I don't think Matt's going to do that. I think Matt's making great money. I think Matt could probably get a job in the NFL too if he wanted to. He's so, turned those down. Yeah, he's, he's had yeah, right. He's he, a lot down. like Ference when he was younger at Iowa. I mean, I remember listening to your show. It it's very similar. Yeah. Where you guys every year you had a different Ference rumor you were fighting off, and like uh, he's had NFL opportunities. That's interesting. Your take on it. I think the one pushback would be: Do you? is there this need to get into the big 10 or the sec? But then I would look at what the playoff committee said a couple weeks ago. And I listen, like as far just an Iowa state fan in me, I understand money, right? I get it. They make more money in the big 10. I understand all of that, but Iowa state's looking at this new big 12 going, we could be a perennial top four program. No doubt. There's no doubt about it. And the big 10 West although it's an advantageous road to get to the Big Ten championship game and ergo potentially the the new uh, 12-team playoff, who knows what the Big Ten is going to do. It, they're not going to have divisions, are they? They're, I don't think that they possibly can. So there's unknowns there. Matt knows what the Big 12 is likely going to be looking like. Um, even if it's he doesn't know the divisional alignment or whatever, he kind of knows what teams are going to be. And maybe if they do bring new teams in, we're probably talking the four corners as we've, as we've been discussing for a while. But you're punching at your own weight. You, that, that's a great that's a that's a great statement. That is a fantastic on the nose statement. So he's what's his what's his money right now? Is he is he over four mil a year? Yeah, he's right over four. Okay, so he's right over four. I think Jamie could shake. There's probably some donors that Jamie could hit up to get Matt over five to five to six million dollars a year, and he, yeah, six, and he, seven year contract. Little Pat Fitzgerald feel, yeah, to me with Campbell. There's no doubt. Um, so I wouldn't sweat that at all if I were an Iowa State fan, which I'm sure some of them are going. Oh, great! Now we got to worry because Miller's never right, and. Then let's go back to Nebraska. So let's just draw a line through Campbell's name. Here's what I think Nebraska should do. And I thought they were quasi entering that possible realm when they hired Frost, but they didn't. They just brought Frost in, who had left, who was a a great player for them in their old Veer offensive system, worked great. Then he was an offensive coordinator out at Oregon. Total different type of setup. Had some success. Took that to the directional Florida school. Had some success there, too. Really had a great uh, signal caller, great quarterback. And then he tried to bring that back to the Big Ten. And what you don't have uh, on tap and ready to bring in is an athlete pipeline that is required to do that. You're also playing in a conference that if you don't, if you are not representative physically at the point of attack on both sides of the ball, you're dead. I don't care how many athletes you have, you're in trouble. Like, look, look at the Iowa versus USC um, Holiday Bowl. You know, I'm not saying that was a USC world beating team. I'm just saying, you know, it, it's sometimes the, the trenches matter and they do in the Big Ten West. They do. And I think that Nebraska is going to be playing Iowa, Minnesota, and Wisconsin every year, no matter how they realign it. So, what I would do if I were Nebraska, 
is I would bring somebody in that has been running option, um, that that has been running power veer, and become a departure from normal relative to the week to week preparation. Right? There's a number of teams that run spread looks like the way that Nebraska wants to run it. That means four to five weeks of your fall camp practices have carryover relative to preparation. If you go and run old school veer and an option look, you're the one. You're the one team on the schedule. It's like Tom Davis, Iowa basketball after BJ, Eddie, and Roy graduated and moved on. Iowa, I think, punched above their weight class. They were only two games above 500 in Big Ten play from that point forward in Tom Davis's career. But they would have, with the with the talent sometimes they had on the court, they shouldn't even have been that. How did they do it? They were a departure in preparation from the norm. They pressed up-tempo. Teams only saw that once or twice a year. Obviously, when Gary Williams was in the Big Ten, he did that. But he left before uh, B.J. Roy and Eddie did. So be a preparation departure. That's what I would do if I was Nebraska. It's funny. You and I are on the same page. I have three names that I think Nebraska would be really smart to – pay attention to Jamie Chadwell at Coastal Carolina. I have recruiting concerns here. You know, you're pulling him out of the deep South, right. uh, but if you've watched them play, it's this very modern um, option style spread. Like it, it's a very unique offense. One of the most unique offensive minds uh-huh. in college football. I like his age. The recruiting thing would make me wonder like, what's your identity going to be? Uh, but I think it'd be a really solid option. I can't believe he's not in the SEC by now, to be honest. Yeah. Troy Calhoun at Air Force was my second guy. Um, listen, do you have to go strict triple? Troy Calhoun, if you know anything about his background, he has been in the NFL, right? He's been at Air Force. He was with the Broncos from 2003 to 2005. He was the offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach for the Texans in 2006. Then he got the head coaching job at Air Force. Clearly, they run the triple option. I like the fact that he is used to having a team where they don't have as good of athletes, right? Like mm-hmm. Kind of what you're, kind of like what you're talking about. Long track record. Fits that Nebraska. I feel like Nebraska fans, because this is a big part of this equation because they're such a fan-driven program, could get behind either one of those guys because you could sell them on bringing this old-school Nebraska. We're getting back to being Nebraska. Right, right, right. The, the other guy, like, to me, and this is a no-brainer, is Lance Leopold from Kansas. So he was going to be Iowa State's head coach if Matt Campbell didn't take the job when he was at Buffalo. Hmm. Goes D3, turns Buffalo into a perennial bowl team, wins a bunch of bowl games. Now he's at Kansas, where in his second year, we're going into week three, Kansas. Kansas is the top scoring team in the country going into week three. Now they played Tennessee Tech in week one, but they go on the road and really shocked everybody as a two-touchdown underdog. Last week at West Virginia, a team we all saw on opening night, Play pit really, really tough in the backyard brawl. I Leipold was on Tom Osborne's staff, so he knows what that thing's all about. All the guy has done is one. Anybody who has the balls to take that Kansas job, and he's turned right. it around. Their number was two and a half. If they win this week at Houston, they hit their over. 
in three mm. weeks. One of the biggest turnarounds, the biggest turnaround in college football. To me, those are three guys where are they sexy names that are going to get Nebraska fans all fired up? Probably not. But we've seen them do that, and it hasn't worked in the past. I think you got to go foundation. Le- Leipold's the guy where he's won everywhere. Um, so that would probably be the route I would go. Uh, it's not option-wise what you're talking about, but I Chadwell's probably the sexiest of the three. We'll see. Knowing Nebraska, they're calling Bob Stoops. They're calling Urban Meyer. Like That's the type of name that they're going for. I do think they learn fairly quickly that Nebraska is not Nebraska from 2000 and from the year 2000 when you're trying to make a hire. Right. And, you know, maybe it doesn't have to be, you know, the option preparation departure, maybe just hire a really good football coach. That's Leipold. And because a really good football coach can turn things around as you just illustrated, Scott Frost um, wasn't a really good football coach. Doesn't mean that I'm not saying he doesn't know football. I just don't know how inspiring he was when every week he's throwing somebody different under the bus. Hmm. And it was everyone else's fault, but his. That's why I think and, they bounce back and have a decent end of the year. Honestly, well, that that that's that's possible. That's really possible. And and I think you're right. I think they need to go hire a good football coach. And I actually, I do not claim to have any inside knowledge into the psychology of what Nebraska fan is thinking right now. But if I am a Nebraska fan, um, I am like, you know what? It doesn't have to be a name. I, I you know. Let's just go hire somebody good. You know, uh, Scott Frost was this. Mike Riley let everybody smoke weed. That's what all the Nebraska fans told me. Uh, and then, you know, they should never. Wasn't he like got... a big, like, Christian guy? Wasn't that Riley's deal? Like, what are, you say, are you saying that Christians can't smoke weed? No, I'm just saying, like, wasn't that his shtick? Like, did he, like, right? Like, I didn't I know he. Re- I, I don't recall. Uh, listen, I'm not saying it's true. No, I'm saying that's what everyone's like. Hey, John, just want you to know that. Oh, yeah, you know, I was getting Riley, that too. Riley smoked weed. Well, they demonize everybody. Weed. They they'll yeah, turn on yeah. anybody, and that's where Matt would ever ask me. I'd be like, Hey, man, it'd be a, you. You'd win your opening presser, and they'd treat you like a god, but you lose three games, and all of a sudden you're a buffoon. Right, right, and and, and that, this isn't any commentary on weed four two all the way, but it's just Nebraska fan. And then you know, Bo Pelini was was just too, you know, the, the Polini Riley thing was just the classic pendulum effect. You got somebody who's this way, yeah, high headed, blah, blah, blah. You go the other way and you hire, um, you know, you hire somebody who's not Bo Polini. You got Todd Licklider who could, you know, put Iowa football fans to sleep right now. I don't know. That's a good comparison. Licker of this offense. I don't even want to think about it. But then you go and get Fran McCaffrey, who's a high-scoring running gun. It's the pendulum effect. Happens in sports. Happens in CEO hires in business. It happens all the time. And it's typically dumb. Mm-hmm. If you are ever in a walk of life where you have to make a decision based on a previous decision not working, guard yourself from the automatic mistake of thinking that the opposite is better than what you had since what you had didn't work. The opposite is not always better. It's just the opposite. Okay. That's a free tip right here. Free so, tip from know. John Miller, baby. Yeah. Free business tip of the day. We'll work those in as we go along. Prairie Meadows brings you Miller and Williams here on Iowa everywhere. I've, so I did that wedding last weekend. No, I'm sorry. You know what? I, I, I apologize for not greeting you with the proper and well-deserved honorific Reverend Williams. Thank you, sir. Yes, Appreciate welcome. it. Um, Penn State grads, the wedding had a flower girl who was actually a a man. He weighed about 300 pounds. 
and he was throwing navy and white flowers from a Penn State fanny pack walking down the aisle. So this is the type of wedding we're we're dealing with here. This this story sounds like we should go way in depth into this story and break this down as opposed to what we did earlier. Well, every the flower I would, girl, wait, wait, the flower girl who's really a man, yeah, is wearing a Penn State fanny pack. Yep. throwing out shirts and hats to people as he's walking down the aisle. No, not shirts and hats. Flowers. There were flowers in the fanny pack, but oh, okay. they were Penn State colors. There was a cardboard cutout. This is debate. This is controversial. Don't say Joe Paterno. There, there was. In the uh, reception Did he have area. a blindfold on? Did they have a blindfold they're on? They were like, hey, because they knew I was an Iowa State guy, and they're like, take a picture with it. And I'm like, I don't, I don't think I want a picture with that. No. I don't know that, that, that that's, that's the, no that's bad no that's real bad po- okay so my I'm making the point like I'm I'm heavy Penn State country doing this wedding of course and you're in Nags Head North Carolina why wouldn't you be so this guy who like lives blocks from the stadium there biggest Penn State fan I've ever met I'm sitting down with them having a cocktail and start talking to him about James Franklin hates him Shouldn't have given him the contract. Shouldn't have given him the money. He's constantly looking to leave. We don't like him there. I was shocked, John, at the amount of distaste for James Franklin amongst this hardcore Penn State wedding that I was at, considering where that program was, right, and where it is now. But they don't like him. They do not like James Franklin, at least this group of Penn State fans. What do you think? He's got a bad attitude. He comes across wrong, but he's won football games for him. Listen, you don't pay me the big bucks to hold my tongue, right? No, I don't want um, you to hold your damn tongue. Just like that dog. Wake that dog up. That's right. Hey, Ginger, quiet down. Um, you don't think it has anything to do with uh, the complexion of his skin tone, do you? I mean, I hadn't thought about that. Well, that's why I prefaced you. I had not thought about back. I had not thought about that. I'm not saying that it is or it isn't. I don't know these people. First thing that jumped in my mind. So we'll just set that over here and... Think about talks amongst yourselves. Number two, I I don't know. He also is someone that that doesn't seem to take the accountability, the level of accountability, personal accountability that other coaches take. He throws some of his teams and players under the bus too. Well, these Penn State fans remind me a little bit of Nebraska fans in the sense that let's say it was going well for Scott Frost and he Mm -hmm. hadn't gotten fired Mm -hmm. and the USC job opens last year. And his name's getting tossed around with that. I could see a Nebraska fan with a straight face go, oh, we're better job than USC. Right? Like, th- that's insane that he would consider. Right. Let's say Frost has been going 8-4. and four, Right? Doing okay. And I think these Penn State fans still look at their job as top five in college right. football. Right. That w- I guess that would be my analysis of it. Um, it seems like a pretty conservative fan base. I feel like Franklin's often, I don't want, I'm not, not in the political sense, but he's pushing buttons. He's not afraid to say what he thinks, and it oftentimes yeah. wrangles people. I don't know. I thought it was really interesting because these people were not fans of him. I'll leave it at that. You know, listen, I, mean, I remember, and this isn't the same, but I remember when, um, I was doing, you know, the whole talk show stuff. And and Steve Alford um, had just, you know, done some good things at Iowa. And I don't you know, I have to think back on that, but he had. And Indiana was rumored 
you know, to maybe mm-hmm. make a run at Steve. And I even remember saying, listen, I'm like, hey, if Steve Alford goes to Indiana, no one can blame him. I wouldn't blame him. Don't want to see him leave right now. Seems like he's turning the corner, figuring things out. Had brought uh, Noodles in to, to coach with him, and I think Noodles was doing a lot of the X's and O's. Craig Neal, uh, childhood friend from Indiana, um, and, you know, personal bag man. And I said I could get that. It made sense. But then I caught wind. Someone sent me a note. I followed up on it. It was someone that was really, really close to the Missouri basketball coaching search. And they said, hey, Alford's agent has reached out and expressed interest in this job. I lost it. I lost it. Went on the air. Basically said, hey, Steve Alford's flirting with Missouri. He's got people that are associated with him, like his agent and other people that he knows that are making contact so that he can likely come out and say that I've got nothing to do that. That's coming from all that plausible deniability. I said it on the air that night. I get a a correspondence from uh, Carver Hawkeye arena. Hey, John, um, you have any time to swing by here? Um, You know, the, the first game of the week, uh, the first game of the year, something's coming up. You know, if you're going to be here, you know, coach would like to talk with you. I said, sure, (laughs) let's do it. Let's do it. So get there. Snow's rolling down and early snow. And um, I go into um, the bowels of Carver Hawkeye arena in a room. I didn't even know existed. Uh, There were not chains or whips on the wall or anything like that, but um, it was Steve Rowe who at the time was the assistant sports information director. Then there was Steve Alford. There was Craig Neal. And then there was me and there was four chairs. Hey guys. Hey, hey John. We all kind of sit down. Oh God. And I'm, I'm just like this. Okay. Now, obviously we, we can't be, we can't be silent for as long as there was silence in this meeting, but I have always come from the rule in sales. He or she who speaks first loses. You lose. If you speak first, you lose. You've deleveraged yourself. So I wasn't saying a damn thing. And then after a few minutes, Alfred and, and Alfred and Neil are sitting across from me. Their arms are crossed. They're looking all stern. They're just staring at me like, like they can, you know, in, in, intimidate me or anything. And then Steve basically leans forward and says, hey, you know, we, we heard about the things that you said. I mean, where are you getting this information from anyway? I said, a, I'm not going to tell you, and B, you're not telling me it's wrong. Well, you didn't have it all right, Mike, but I had some of it right, didn't I? Well, I don't want to go into that. I just think that was really unprofessional. You never get, called me and gave me a chance. I would have told him, like, you would have told me what you're telling me now, which is nothing. Mm-hmm. And then I told him, I'm like, Steve, I'm going to be doing this here in this state a lot longer than you're going to be doing what you do in this state. I'm beholden to the fans Mm -hmm. to the listeners. Those are the people that I'm accountable to because if I do right by them and I'm accountable by them, I am likely employable doing what it is that I want to do for a long time. Whereas you'll be someone else in five to 10 years, but be somewhere else in five to 10 years. Anyway, the the meeting didn't go as he wanted. It didn't really end well. I don't know that I ever had a face-to-face conversation with him again. And up to that point, I had pretty good access um, and and many face-to-face conversations. So, the whole point of that is wasn't just to talk about an old story, but was I was old pissed off. I was pissed off because he was flirting with somebody that didn't make sense to me. Now USC is a better job than Penn State. Um, it's, it's a much easier path, or it was before it got to the Big Ten. It's so it was a better. Now. It's it's just different. But you know, I, 
Chris, I, I think that it's fair to say Franklin throws some people under the bus. Um, he maybe doesn't say all the right things all the right time. I don't know if there's anything to do uh, with the skin tone um, or not, but it certainly popped into my head. And maybe that's just a sign of the times and maybe that's a me issue. But it is kind of surprising. I think he's done well there as far as what Penn State's ceiling may be. I mean, they're in the, you know, they're right now, they're in the same division as Ohio State. And Ohio mm-hmm. State's a machine. So their ceiling is runner up to Ohio State. And in a 12 team playoff, that might be good enough to yeah. get in the playoff. Yeah. The last one I have for you I, I, a lot of Big Ten stuff here this week. So I apologize to the Big 12 folks, but it's just a good week in the Big Ten. Who's the best team in the West? The Big Ten West? Yeah. I mean, if okay, so if you're saying, John, you, you, you've got to pay your rent this month. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, or just, in December. you got to pay rent in December. I could make an way, argument for like three teams. Yeah, the only way you're going to pay rent in December is by betting on the team that ultimately wins the West. And without having gone and looked at everyone's schedule right now, the team that I would pick without looking at schedule strength is probably still Wisconsin if you're going to make me bet money. But Minnesota has looked really good, albeit against a really soft schedule, but they are doing exactly what you need to do against bad teams, and that is piss pound them. Mm -hmm. And Purdue, frankly, um, I think on any given night is capable of maybe beating any team in this league. But then again, on some nights, if they've got to go toe-to-toe in the trenches, they're capable of losing to teams that they shouldn't lose to. Um, I, I don't think Northwestern. I don't think that they've got their ace quarterback. So I, th- I think Wisconsin will be my number one pick, followed by probably Minnesota, but Purdue's not far behind. I just think that I think that division's a lot like the Big Twelve this year because there's really like Illinois has ascended from being that bad team at the bottom where you can just count on a win. I do think Nebraska will be a tough out. I don't think that they'll get to a bowl or anything, but I think they'll be a tough out this year. Um, Iowa, like, listen, no matter what they do with the offense, it's still you have to play in Kinnick. All those games are sold out. Uh, Purdue, Minnesota, you talked about. And Northwestern still has Pat Fitzgerald. So, like, I, I just – that league is – or that half of the league is really fascinating to me. They don't have great teams, but they, they all have pretty good coaches. Right? Like, yeah, they do. I think this Illinois. Is, Illinois is the team I would circle as a as a surprise team this year. They're going to a bowl game. Um, yeah, I haven't gone and looked at their schedule either. I guess I could do that real quick right here right now. I don't want to make people roll no, they, their eyes. You, but, don't, you um, don't have to. It's, it's, well, it's fine. It's good, you, good banter. You, good banter. Made, you've made me curious. They've got Chattanooga this weekend, then at Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota, at Nebraska, Michigan State at home, Purdue at home, at Michigan, at Northwestern, gauntlet. They could be a much better team and um, be five and seven. I think. I think it's ball games tough. If I think, I'm on the over at four, well, I think that's possible. But I think finish. I think six is is not going to happen. But yeah, you know, it, this is it, Chris. I think what we're talking about with the Big Ten West is this: in the land of the blind, the man with one eye is king, and that's what the Big Ten West is this year. There's one person that maybe has one eye. Yeah, I. I don't think it's Wisconsin. I think Chris is – we're on the downfall of Paul Christ. 
Yeah, I was never a big Paul Chris fan. Um, these, these archaic offenses and stuff, you just – it's – there's not enough margin for error anymore. Like, you have to be able to score some. And so, yes, you, you, you're right. But here's what I would say about Wisconsin. They have an identity. Iowa's offense does not. We might also – well, than, they like – they want to run the ball. Iowa's averaged four or more yards a carry maybe twice in the last 11, 12 years, something like that. Um, well, you know, a couple of years ago in 2020, they, they scored over 30 points a game, which is how many points were scored by the defense to begin with and then set up by the defense because of their turnovers on short fields. That's just, To me, points scored and yards per game – I'm not as interested in those anymore. We have advanced analytics, things I used to poo on. Um, you know, Holland and those guys would be laughing at this right now if they're listening to this. And it's yards per play to me. Look at yards per play. Yeah, absolutely. And how, and how many yards per rush you allow. Those kind of things to me make more sense. So I think that Wisconsin, with the way that they block, their offensive line blocking scheme, it's not a, a stuck-in-the-mud uh, zone scheme like Iowa has. And they also, you know, they get them bigger. They're maybe not as athletic as Iowa's offensive linemen, but they put just as many, if not more, offensive linemen in the NFL than Iowa does, frankly. And they've got a lot more Big Ten championships to show for it than Iowa's players did when they played there. Wisconsin's defense is typically national championship caliber good or has been since they made that change to the 3-4 defense about six or seven years ago. It's been really good. Those odd man fronts are a little funky. Now, they're less funky to prepare for now because more and more teams are going to the odd man fronts so you know you get a little more familiarity with it but their defense really really good they're they, they recruit elite running back talent to that school iowa rarely has in their offensive line schemes even though the last couple of years 2020 and 2021 has been below the off the wisconsin offensive line standard all that that offensive line has to be is a little bit above average and that's a team that in the division they're in is probably nine and three at worst year in year out now losing to washington state is you know bit of a shocker but i still think that they'll emerge victorious so are they archaic relative to the style and scheme they play being popular backs in the 70s and 80s yes but are they much more efficient and effective with an archaic scheme than other teams that are running archaic schemes like iowa absolutely yeah. they are they do absolutely what iowa does they are just a lot yes. better that yes they do they do all right. Well, I hate to. Sorry, Ginger. Sorry, we put you to sleep here. Uh, looking forward to the weekend, for though. I got um, I got Iowa State over um, forty-seven and a half. I feel like that that game goes way over there. I will. Do you do you play? Can you can you can anybody pick Iowa to lay points? Twenty-three points. I wouldn't. Based How on what we've that? seen, I mean that. But that's well, they're like the hot pick. A lot of the sharps out there all over Iowa to pound Nevada this weekend. To well, pound the Wolfpack. Incarnate Word put up over five hundy on Nevada, right? Yeah, they're I mean, Nevada's really bad. Like they're right, really, which, really terrible. Which means Iowa's a lock to get at least two hundred yards. <laughs> Beyond that, I don't know. And I, I admit right now I'm a, I'm being a little more uh, pugilistic and uh self inflicted here. Pugilistic, Pugil what? a little a little punchy. Oh. You know, a little Okay. No fighting mode. Yeah, but um, I, what, what's the over under on that one? Uh, you had to ask. It can't be much. Can't be much. 
That's like a really bad attempt to... Give me a minute. I well, don't have that in front of me here. That's okay. You know what? I mean, why would you? I mean, <laughs> what are you going to do? Get down on Iowa, Nevada? What are you, a freaking degenerate? Oh, I'll, I'll have something on it. Yeah. Well, I kind of feel like... I mean, if you cream soda? Part of me Side just deck? feels like to play the Iowa under, or to play the Iowa over blindly. Dude, that's this week. The, oh, I thought you meant in general. Like, are you? I mean, no, you know, just like this money? week. Just this week. Uh, By the it's way, we, four, my, it's 39. 39. Play the over. Nevada is terrible. Iowa should be able to, like, nope. Iowa should be able to get at least two special teams defensive touchdowns against this team. What do you want to bet? I'll take the under. What do you want? You got the over. I got the under. 39 points. Um, I'll, come, I'll, you know, come, come up with something and then we'll tweet it out. Okay. When we I'll, tweet it out, when you I'll, tweet it out in the morning, you say, Hey, here's the Iowa everywhere podcast. John and Chris made a, a friendly wager on the Iowa game. And in that tweet, say what it is, because we need to come up with it between now and then. Let's do um, a little, uh, and it can't be John shaves his arms or shaves no, his no, legs. No, I don't want to do anything like which, that. Which, cause I already did that yesterday. I think I'll take you to a Vikings game. Ooh, God. This is like I got take I got I got re, I got to realize if that's a punishment I can bear. Or um, you take me to a Chiefs game. Okay. It doesn't I have can, to be this year. We just put it in the Okay. Bank. Okay. We Maybe we bank. could do that. That could be like part of the show okay, where we have this bank. We have this bank full of our bets. Yes. We keep it up. Yeah. Over okay. the years and then we that, probably won't ever pay them off, but it'll be fun to watch it grow. Yeah. Yeah, with interest, right? You know, it turns into if you if you don't pay it off within three years, then you got to throw around to eight. You know, you get me on Louis' uh, private course, I'll get you on mine down here. I can get. I can like make that. that. I think I can make that happen. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I want a piece of him, although he's got to be like a two handicap. He's long. Yeah, uh, you know, he's actually kind of turning into the old man game, where he just puts it in the fairway. You just said he's long. Can he roll three hundred off the tee with me? Probably not. Yeah. I don't know though. I haven't played with him in a few years. I haven't played with them in a few years. I, yeah, let's I, do it. I quit golf for like six years. I'm just getting back into it. Well, yeah, and you know, realistically, with the age of your kids, you know, give yourself another ten, yeah, and then no. get back into it. Like I, I did. I had a goal when I was thirty. I said, you know what? I got to pack it up, pack it in. I'm going to be a dad. Don't have enough money really to do it either. Don't have the time or money. I said, stay in shape till you're fifty, then join a club. And last year, I turned fifty and I joined a club, and then. It's, you know, I probably played, I probably played twenty rounds of golf between 2019 and 2004. Maybe I've played like a hundred rounds of golf in the past um, thirteen months. Good for you. Yeah, love it. Yeah, I've played twice this year, and I just told you I'm getting back into it. That's how much golf I've played. Yesterday's recently. round, I started out triple bogey, triple bogey, triple bogey, and triple bogey. I don't think I've ever done that in my life. Wow. And I thought to myself, well. If you just par out from here to the end of the front nine, you can still break 50. And I went par, 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 bogey. So I got I got a 49. And then on the back nine, I went, I had four more pars. So I, I had a chance to shoot a 39 in the back. Didn't get it. Anyway, still shot a 91, but a weird way to get a 91. I was kind of pissed off. But I used yeah. to always, when I played a lot and when I was decent, I would just shoot to get a bogey on every hole. That's like, that was smart thing. That was my par. Game of fives. Right. Because I like, I'm always happy if you play bogey golf at the end of the round. You're like, oh, I got a good score. Yeah, for an play, amateur yeah, like me. Yeah, you're you're, you're plus eighteen. Um, if you get a bogey on every hole, it's a par. It's a par seventy two. You know, there you are. Yeah, I got a double bogey here. Okay, now I need to par. That's my birdie. Get yeah. it back. Exactly. That's it. That's it. I like your so style. You play golf, everybody. <laughs> All right, go. he's John Miller. 
Uh, you can you can listen to him on Sunday. Man, I hope I just had a lot of people. They appreciate what you're doing on Sundays. They like the pod, but they're just like, man, Miller was Miller was just so depressed. Like, I listen. Just, he was just so out of it. I w- it was Saturday night for one. I knew I was driving home the next day from Washington, Iowa to Kansas City. My dad's three feet to my right. My mom's three feet to his right. Okay, <laughs> it's like nine o'clock, which is you know, well at the at the Dave Miller household, nine o'clock is beyond lights out. That's like having a conversation with me and falling asleep. Especially after Iowa lost the Cyhawk Trophy, it, I mean, it was just it was just a gloomy a, day. It wasn't a great environment, and it was a gloomy day. So. I'm like, hey, mom and dad, do you care if I just record this? So I basically sat in a chair. Okay, and those of you watching this can see. I opened up my my voice recorder app, and I sat like this with my cell phone resting on my chest. That audio quality actually was really good. Yeah, it was, it was great. I did a little test before I actually recorded the whole thing just to see how it sounded, and it sounded fine. So I'm sitting here like this, and then my mom starts song logs just as loud as ginger rolls. Mom mm-hmm. can belt it out, and I make you know I just incorporate that into the podcast i'm like hey if i hope i didn't put you to sleep i put my parents to sleep and then i'm making i'm just criticizing iowa criticizing iowa <laughs> dad's over here like almost giving me the, the the old white man version of amen shouting that out in church he's just like yep <laughs> yep no no and uh so it was just a little somber because i was in their basement and how animated could i really get but you know what those of you that have been listening to me for long enough I'm more animated now at 51 than I was straight lacing it back when I was like 37, 38. So hopefully I can continue to improve. But yeah, man, I mean, my mood befitted the uh, the feeling of that game. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say that oh, Iowa should have won the, the the team that won the game. It should have won the game, won the game. And yeah. a friend of mine, Justin, tweeted out, and I said this in the podcast, and I think it was so point on. That was a, Iowa needed to lose that game. Um, and I'm not spinning that as like something to make myself feel better or take anything away from Iowa State. Iowa, I think if there's a chance to, to move the program in a different direction, offensively, philosophically, whatever, they needed to lose that game. I think Kirk at halftime felt that he could python that. I think he felt like, mm. I got to lead. Iowa State's not really doing much of anything. Uh, we've got, we, we saw something before the game in their punt scheme and we exploited it. We think we can do it again. So let's just, you know, let's just keep Spencer in there. Let's just get through it and let's win this baby 7-6. Didn't work. And I can't imagine. You and I were texting a little bit during the game. I'm like, oh, dude, I, I, this is it. No, oh, I broke is, a chair at the dude. beach house we were at. When you got a security when, deposit. When Brock fumbled on the one, because I was yeah. so pissed because they had already got the block punt, which I knew was coming. And then it was just like this is the same damn thing every year. When these and from an Iowa State perspective, I feel like we should have won the game by seventeen on Saturday, right? Like perhaps I, that's a bit arrogant, you know, but that's I how that, I felt. I don't I don't think I don't think it's arrogant. I think it's I mean, you had five turnovers, realistically. Yeah. You had five turnovers. Yeah, Iowa fumbled on its goal line too. Yep, got and that yeah, one. That's evened out and, there. And but. yeah, if, you know, if uh Bruce hadn't have slipped and fell in the turf monster, they wouldn't have had to come to that. But again, to me, that would have felt like cheating the game. Ball would have lied in that instance. In the end, Ball don't lie. Iowa didn't deserve it and I think they needed to lose it in order to not make Kirk feel like well you know we, we were able to get it out a win's a win and 
a win's a win along the way. But if your outlook and your phil- philosophy is just this archaic, this broken, this dull, this boring, a win isn't a win because even 10 wins last year, I felt like Iowa lost a lot and I was losing my interest and I'm really losing my interest. I'm not going to stop watching, but I'm just losing my interest. Like I said, it feels like I am watching right now out of lifelong obligation, not because of like a desire, like, Oh my gosh, it's Friday. I can't wait to wake up tomorrow. I I felt like that most of my life. I feel nothing like that. Maybe that's it. I feel nothing. I feel nothing. It's a little, Apathy. That's, that is a dead. Feels game. like uh, when Iowa State went zero and nineteen in the Big Twelve in basketball a few years ago. I know that feeling. Except you yeah. won ten games a year ago. It's the most know, bizarre it, thing I've ever seen in my life. And, and anybody that's Iowa State fan or any other team's fan listening to this saying, "Oh, cry me a river, John." Fair. That's fair. That's fair. I get it. Love you, man. Uh, I gotta go you. watch. I gotta go watch Patrick Mahomes, bro. Go, go. We'll I gotta go it. do dad stuff. I gotta get a seven-year-old to dance. All right. You have a better night. You have a more exciting night than I do. All right. Take care. Appreciate you. John Miller. Uh, I'm Chris Williams. We'll be back next Thursday slash Friday here. Thanks to Prairie Meadows for sponsoring the show. Iowa everywhere.